You're listening to The Real Life Podcast. You're about to hear a powerful message about Jesus straight from God's Word. If there's anything that we can do to serve you, please just take advantage of one of the options to get a hold of us, and we'd love to serve you today. Let's go ahead and hear what God's up to today. seeing what God is doing through you as a church. I am so, so thankful for yesterday, so thankful for all the work, all the buildup uh, to that amazing couple of hours of just getting to love and bless kids and families in our city, and I'm just so thankful that we get to do this together as a church. Um, man, I am so, so thankful that yesterday was Awesome. It was so, so much, so much fun to be able to love and serve families. And thanks for being a part of it. Uh, those of you that gave, those of you that got shoes, those of you that were serving, uh, however you were involved, man, I am just so thankful that we have a church that's passionate about making an impact, making a difference in our city. And um, man, getting to share the One Heart story with so many people uh, yesterday was so fun. And some people just cannot believe, like year after year, I think it, th- that was our 13th, I think, time uh, doing that back to school event now, uh, year after year. It's just been so, so, so cool. And uh, I'm really thankful that, that we get to do it together. Uh, my name is Richie, our lead pastor here. And I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad that you're here. And I, I believe God's going to speak to all of us today. And so uh, I'm excited to look to God's word together. But I just can't kind of help but reflect on yesterday just for a second because there was ah, some really cool moments. One of the one of the team up here was putting shoes on kids, and he came and he grabbed me. He's like, hey, Richie, I'm, you know, new shoes for this family, and it's really cool, this kid, but he's wearing the shoes that we gave him last year. And and I was just, like, so blessed to know that, like, those shoes are, that we're giving away are, like, really sustaining these families through an entire school year like that. To see that, that kind of impact is, like, real. It's not just kind of like, boy, I hope this makes a difference. You are making a difference in real people's lives. Uh, hearing about uh, a mom that had come multiple years in a row to get, you know, food and shoes and haircuts and all that for her kids. Yesterday, she, uh, I think she's in cosmetology school here, was actually cutting hair at one of our locations in tears, just so thankful that now she can like, now she can give and be a part of the event that way. And another single mom actually that drove like two and a half hours from like middle of the state, like Wenatchee area to come uh, and be a part of the event because she's just desperate for resources for her kids. Man, to know that you are making a difference in so many people's lives that way is just such a gift, isn't it? To to see God rally us together like that. And I I know a lot of you are tired, like I'm tired. Like that was a lot of work yesterday. But I think that's what it's about, isn't it? That we just kind of spend ourselves on, on behalf of the gospel and that people would get to experience the love of Jesus that way. Like, we're not, we're not too tired for this. Like, this is an amazing, amazing gift that we get to be a part of. And so I'm thankful. I heard some of you got certified as hot dog engineers yesterday. Way to go. Like, that's, that's a win. Um, if you didn't know previously, that, that's a big deal. Some of you still smell like hot dogs from yesterday. So, uh, you know, it's good. It's real good. It's good. <laughs> they are all beef, by the way. So, you know, <laughs> no, oh, it's good. Um, Man, we've been answering questions over the last several weeks, um, trying to help us um, navigate the pressures and the tensions that are in our lives and in our culture and in our in our families. Uh, last week we talked about hate. There's a lot of hate in the world, and what do we do about all that hate? And trying to figure that out and and walk through that. And the week before that we talked about all the difficulties happening in our world right now. And is that God like punishing us? And we talked through the nature and the character and the essence of God. Next week we're going to address the church and the and the the community around us that are all uh, navigating um, being gay or transgender or kind of what does that look like and how do we as a church uh, figure that out and how do we interact. And the week after that, we're going to talk through kind of this sexualized culture that we're in and how are we to be as Jesus people in the midst of it. And so we're going to navigate some questions together coming up today. Uh, We're going to talk about our kids. Uh, There was a question that emerged multiple times in lots of different ways, but in essence was asked like this, how do we not lose our kids to the world that we live in today? And I think that that pressure and that tension is real for a lot of us, and so I want to dive into that question today, but I'm just going to pray and ask God to help us in this time and help 
ask God to speak to us and move in each of our lives. So just pray with me for a minute, Lord. Um, thinking about all the families right now that have been navigating fires and evacuations. and Lord, I just pray that you would be near those families right now. I'm thankful, God, for so many in our church opening their homes, Lord, to others. And I, I just pray, God, for your grace on those fires, that you just put them out, Jesus that you would keep those families and those homes safe, Lord, and that you would um, just give those firefighters wisdom and, and just favor God. Bring some rain, Jesus, and uh, believe, God, that you can. Lord, as we enter into this question today about our kids and, and helping them become who you made them to be, Lord, I pray that you would just speak now powerfully in each of our lives. And um, some in the room have kids and are really wondering this. Some are maybe grandkids or about to have kids or want to have kids, Lord, or maybe they are a kid themselves, Lord. I pray that every bit of this would speak to every single person in this room today, God, by your grace and by your power. Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm believing you can do that. And so I, I pray that you would do that, Lord. And uh, we just surrender to you. We thank you for these, these amazing moments together, Jesus. We love you in your name. Can you say amen today? Amen, amen. Uh, I told most of you last week that uh, I dropped my oldest daughter off at school. She's playing soccer at a school in California, and I'm really, really excited for her. But this question of parenting and not losing our kids, man, it's like, like, right in front of me right now. As, as I was um, saying goodbye to her, she was playing like an inner squad scrimmage and uh, the girl was just like nervous about this first time with all these people. And uh, she was literally like, like puking as she's playing. Like that's how nervous she is. Like you soccer players are tough, by the way. Like how do you keep running, sprinting and puking at the same time? Like it's just, just amazing. But, but watching her just kind of like try to figure out how to settle into this whole new world that she was engaging in was just as a dad, I'm like, if there is any problems in the state of California, I am going to solve them just so that my daughter can have nothing going on wrong and or hard or anything in her life. You know, it's like that, that maybe you're like a, a mama bear type, right? Like you're like, ah, like nothing. Uh, there it is. Okay, nothing is going to get them. Nothing is going to hurt them. Nothing is going to, you know, get in the way of my kids. Um, it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed and maybe anxious or fearful about the life that they're living and the future that they have and the problems that might come their way. And it was so hard for me. I mean, all I could do really in that moment was I hugged her, prayed with her, and then I went and had to go get on an airplane. And like as a dad, that's just like, I'm just leaving my entire heart there, you know, in the parking lot with her as I'm like, oh, I wish I could fix anything that's wrong ever in your life. And I think as parents, grandparents in the room, you probably identify with some anxiety when it comes to our kids, right? Like anybody else just get anxious? Like, how are they going to turn out? Are they going to, am I screwing them up and I don't even know it? Like, uh, um, are they, are they going to navigate all the pressures that they're facing right now in this world? Are they going to find the perfect spouse, the husband? You know, my, my, I have two girls, and so, like, I'm praying for that dude. Like, I am. <laughs> uh, how are they going to be with Jesus? Um, will they have a relationship with me in the future? Like, what is that going to look like? I don't know about you, but all these kind of, anxiety start to rise when I think about my girls. And I think God gave us this really soft heart for our kids um, on purpose. And so then the pressure that we feel is just extra big and the weight seems extra large because we care and love and want so much for them to be amazing and have the life that, that they're supposed to have. But man, there's a lot going on around us. I know that when I hear this question, how do I not lose my kids to the world? I know it comes from lots of different places for each of us, but I think about how crazy our world is. You can summarize that and just go, yeah, it's crazy. There's a lot going on. Maybe temptation for kids to navigate. Think about what's happening social media wise, and the, the comparison and the pressure there that, that everybody's trying to figure out. You see your kids maybe trying to have some sort of standard in their life and the pressure that they're under from friends and people around them to not have that standard or they're trying to have a heart for God and people maybe don't want them to have that heart for God. And so how easy it is to kind of just get caught up in that anxiety around that. And maybe you see maybe difficulties your kids are facing. Maybe they're sick or maybe they're, they're, they're having a 
a hard time at school or things aren't going the way you want them to go for your kids. I think oftentimes um, these pressures and these anxieties start to start to kind of rise up in us and start to create a, maybe an operating system or a, a, a way to deal with it that I don't know if is always the healthiest. I think that there's a maybe a temptation as, as these anxieties grow inside of us as parents to kind of head towards an extreme of sorts. As parents, we might respond to these anxieties and maybe, maybe your kind of mode to deal with it is control. Like you, you'll just like get after anything that might, you know, potentially be wrong. You, it's like, I, I think of it like bubble wrap, right? Like we just want to like bubble wrap our entire kids' lives and existence and, and just protect them from anything and everything. And it's like, if anything's coming after my kids, like I am just like fierce in that, that protection of them. And in fact, sometimes that control starts to bleed into your relationship with your kids and you don't want them to get out of the bubble wrap and so you're going to do everything you can to keep them in the bubble wrap and every rule and everything is just like dictated around keeping them protected and nothing is going to hurt them and there's kind of that that if we're not careful real prideful element of control that they need to behave exactly as I ask them to behave it's for their own good right but if we're not careful it's also kind of for our own sake that it's really maybe more about like our fears and our reputation. And if they make us look bad, then maybe, you know, if we're not careful, we end up in kind of this extreme of control. Or I see the other extreme that often happens is more of a laissez-faire type approach. Like, eh, it'll be fine. <laughs> they're resilient, you know. They're, they're good kids. They're going to be great. They've got a good head on their shoulders. I don't know if you've ever said that before. But I think at times that extreme leads to this place of justification and explaining away any maybe difficulty or thing that we might need to do or thing we might need to lead with or um, uh, maybe a rule that we might need to impose, a boundary we might need to set up. And, and we just maybe are fearful of, of offending our kids or, or controlling them too much. And so we just are kind of like most concerned with being buddies with our, friend, our, our kids and, and really not doing anything structured at all. And those two extremes are both end up being very unhealthy if we're not careful. And this is what anxiety produces in us. This is what fear produces in us is not really good thinking, not really intentional, more reactive in how we navigate relationships. If something comes up, just wrap some more bubble wrap on it, all right? Or, or, or just pretend like it's not gonna matter and just kind of use your catchphrase of, well, kids are resilient, you know? And, and if we're not careful, these extremes start to kind of leak into how we react. And the thing that I want us to do today, though, is... I want us to look at ourselves as parents, grandparents, even, even students, young people in the room today. I want us to look at ourselves for a second in this because how we interact with our kids really is a direct kind of reflection of our view of who God is and our relationship with him. We, we really start to treat them in, in a way that, that is kind of a summary of our view of God and how he is with us. If, if you think about it for a moment, like to actually think that God gave us these terms of father, that he is our father in heaven, our creator, our sustainer. You know, you can maybe use some of those big languages, but when you hear him as your dad, he does stuff inside of us because maybe your dad and the way things went for you or the things, maybe the failures you feel as like a dad or as a parent, as a mom, there's that temptation to maybe kind of take your brokenness and put it on God and then go, well, well, if God's my father, then he's gonna treat me like this instead of actually allowing God to be who God is and the love that he has and the, the passion that he has for you and, and your kids to become who he made them to be to really speak over our lives. It, 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 it find ourselves maybe maybe kind of short-sighted in our view of God. And it actually begins to affect our, our parenting. And that's, as your pastor, that's what I really want to deal with is your heart. Because the, the question is a really good question. How do we not lose our kids? But at the same time, I could hear a lot of fear in that question. I can hear a lot of anxiety in that question. So that's what I want to deal with, right? Is where does those fears and anxieties come from? Well, oftentimes it comes from a, 
a, a lack of awareness of how good our God is, that he is actually in control and that he loves you and he loves your kids and he has a plan for you and he has a plan for them and he wants to shape you and he wants to shape them and, and he has a future for all of us. And I know that we've experienced brokenness and it doesn't feel like God's always good and in control, but at the core of it, there is a theology all throughout scripture that says, no, your God is good and he loves you and he has a plan for you and he has a plans for your kids and he loves them way more than you could ever think or imagine. He has, has such good things in mind. And, and here's what happens. If you have good theology like that, you kind of start to feel a little bit more free, not bound by fear, not bound by anxiety, not bound by all the what ifs. If you have theology about who God really is, like that he is loving and kind and gracious and compassionate, he has purpose for you and for your kids, like you can, you can start to think about this a little bit clearer, but if all you can see is how worried you are, we make horrible decisions when we're terrified, amen? We do dumb stuff when we're anxious. So taking a step back, just looking at your view of God, I think really helps us to, to navigate this question and recognizing the kind of father that our God is towards us really impacts how you answer this question. When I think about this question, it's not so much about God worried about him losing us to this world. God's not like chewing his nails, watching you, you know, like, oh God, what are they gonna do next, right? Our God has always seen our sinfulness and our brokenness and he's always known like the pains that we've experienced and the things that we're, we have done and are gonna do. And here's what's always been the response of God and the grace of God is to come and get us. He doesn't leave us at a distance, but in our sinfulness and our rebellion and our resistance of his leadership in our lives, our God is so good that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place and pay the penalty of our sin. Like this is the essence of our God, is that he has always been motivated by love and he is always pursuing you as his child to come into right relationship with him, so much so that he would send his own son to die in your place, to take your sin on himself so that you could be right with God, so you could be free from sin and shame and guilt. Like what an amazing God, right? His, his, his anxiety is not like, oh man, am I going to lose my kids? His heart is saying, I am going to go get my kids. I am going to love them and show them how good I am and how kind I am and what kind of plans I have for them. See, you, you battle these anxieties and these fears inside of you by looking to the nature and the essence of the love of God, the father that is in heaven that loves you unconditionally. He loves your kids unconditionally. You don't battle these fears and anxieties by looking inward. This is a mistake we make, people. This is, this is kind of like popular view. Look inside, find where that fear is coming from and try to work on all of that. You know what that does is creates more fear and more anxiety. The truth is, you know, God loves you and his call and his invitation and his pursuit of you is to get your focus and your attention off of yourself and onto God. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you are filled with peace and you're filled with strength. Oh, the creator of the universe, he's in control and he loves me and he loves my kids and I can rest in that. I don't gotta uh, be consumed by fear and anxiety. Like, like that's an amazing thing because when we look inward, we're consumed with our deficiencies, our inadequacies, our pains of the past, the mistakes we've made. What does that produce in us? More and more fear, more and more anxiety. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, man, we look at God and who he is, we begin to be filled with his spirit. And his spirit leads us in this whole adventure called parenting. I'm gonna get to some practical stuff, but are you tracking with me this morning that I'm trying to help you kind of at the foundation before we start to get to the practical stuff? Like fear and anxiety, these motivators for parenting are really gonna lead to some unhealthy extremes if you don't deal with like your view of God and how he sees you and how much he loves you and what plans he has for you and for your kids, that he actually loves you, he loves your kids even more than you could ever imagine. And I don't wanna just say that tritely, does that make sense? Church, trust God, right? That's kind of the easy way to answer this question. But I, but I want to build that and layer that so you really see, no, that really is the core of it, right? Is, is without a real faith in who God is and how good he is and how much love he has for my kids, man, I'm going to make a lot of bad decisions as a parent. 
But if I can trust that God cares about me, cares about my kids more than I do, man, I can begin to walk in a place of peace, strength, freedom, knowing that God is going to, to walk me toward the future that he has for me, help me walk my kids toward the future that he has for them. And that, that's where I think God wants us to be parenting from and looking at this question from, from that place of peace and strength. Now, we got the, the text in question on the screen because I know that there's questions that are gonna kind of be in your heart and your mind as we're navigating this today. And so feel free to text that in. And uh, later on, Grayson is gonna come up here and help me with those questions. But I wanted to start today with that piece of theology and then get to some of the practicalities. When I think about practicalities, uh, for us as parents and grandparents, trying to not lose our kids to the world. I want us to think about maybe the more proactive question there. How do I help my kids become who God made them to be? You tracking with me? One's driven by fear and one's driven by faith. One says, oh God, I don't wanna lose my kids. And the other one is, God, you have such amazing plans for these kids. How do I help them become who you made them to be? From that place, so let me give you just a few priorities, I would say, as a parent. And, and these priorities are maybe designed to help guide your thinking and your decision-making, not make every decision for you and tell you exactly what to do. You, as a parent, make millions of decisions, like, yes, we can have chicken nuggets for lunch, right? Or, or, or maybe you make really big decisions, and, and, and they're about social media and how much and how little and never or, or when or whatever. And I understand that whole gamut of decision-making, but here's the point. You make millions of decisions, and my hope would be to just give you some priorities to help filter those decisions and that leadership that you have in your kids' lives. First is this. Highest priority for me is that our kids need to know Jesus more than anything else. There's a trap that we fall into as parents. Um, we want our kids to be successful. Success is awesome. We love success. Our culture thrives on success. It, it, it is part of like the makeup of our nature is to succeed and to win. It's what makes us famous. It's what makes us valuable in culture's eyes. It's what makes us worth something in relationship to other people. And this is a deceitful trap that many of us have bought into. If I raise successful kids, then I am a successful parent, is what the equation says. But the problem with this equation is that it is lifeless. It has no, no eternal view whatsoever. Your value has never been determined by your success. Your value has always been declared over you by your creator and sustainer of all things, God himself. The same is true with your kids, is their value is not in their success and their failures. Their value is in who God sees them to be. Am I against success? No, absolutely not. I, I love it myself. I love it in my kids' lives. Absolutely. But here's the thing. If we are so enamored with success, we, we, well, maybe our kids, they need to be the best, like AP classes, students, you know, they're, they're, they're the most amazing at drama or sports or whatever the thing is. Every kid's got a thing, right? It's music, it's debate, it's, you know, whatever it is. And as a parent, we get enamored with their thing. And then we start to kind of like help them become successful in their thing. And then pretty soon that's all we think about and all we do. And, and Jesus and their heart and their relationship with him just is completely like absent in our parenting strategy completely. And if we're not careful, we fall into this trap, this deceit of success that, that says, man, if, if, if I can just get kids that are successful at these things, then man, life is going to be good. This is a tension my wife and I are always talking about. Because my girls play a lot of sports. You see that. And I remember even when we made the decision to engage in club sports, which is like a life sucker and, you know, money sucker and like everything you could ever, you know, whatever. But we made this decision intentionally. And I'm, I remember one of the conversations we had is like, is it even possible for us to be like passionate followers of Jesus and raise kids in this crazy competitive sports world? And for us, that was a real intentional conversation that we had to just go, okay, well, how would it look for us to make Jesus more than anything else, the highest priority for our family, for our girls, what would that look like? Are there gonna be sometimes they miss church? Yes, there is gonna be some of those times. What is that gonna look like for us as a family? And, and to really put not the success within the sport community as the highest priority, but to keep Jesus as the highest priority. You see that? That, that is the tension of this that I think is so important for us as parents to go, okay, 
How do we make Jesus more than anything else in this life the highest priority of our parenting? There was a woman in scripture in the gospels who was bleeding for 12 years. And she went to all the doctors and everybody tried to help her get over this, this bleeding that she had going on. And it made her a social outcast. I mean, it made her like somebody that people couldn't even go near. And she heard that Jesus was in town and most people still weren't quite sure who Jesus was. He's a prophet. We've heard he's a healer. We've seen even maybe that people have been raised from the dead and she just had this stirring in her heart. You know what? I, I don't know if he can heal me, but I, I'm gonna do whatever I can, whatever it takes to get as close to him as I possibly can. If Even if it just means just touching the hem of his garment, then that's where I wanna be is I wanna be in the presence of Jesus. And as she got a hold of just the hem of his garment, power was transferred out of Jesus into her and cleansed her on the spot and healed her in that moment. I think about this all the time as just a, as a passion in our hearts to just get our kids close to Jesus. Like there are so many strategies that we can employ in parenting, but at the very bottom line is this, that a moment, just even touching the hem of his garment can change somebody from forever, right? And, and, and so for us to just prioritize our kids getting close to Jesus, man, that is the cry of our heart. That is the passion. That is the prayer of our hearts as parents and grandparents is to help these kids get as close to Jesus as we possibly can. Are we perfect in it? No. Do we, is there exact, like, you got to go to church this many times in a week? No, there's not, like, some formula to it. It is a passion to get in the presence of Jesus and to help your kids experience the power and the love and the grace of what it is to be in an awesome, intimate, real relationship with Jesus. Like that, that is the most powerful thing because it's eternal. Your kids are gonna live forever. They're gonna live way past their sports career. They're gonna live way past their, 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 their college degree and way past all those other things that you dream of their success and they're gonna live forever and either eternally with God in heaven because they have a relationship with Jesus or eternally separated from God in a real place called hell. And for us as parents, this is the most essential part of what our parenting plan, our strategy needs to be is to help get our kids closer to Jesus than anything else. Do not hear me throwing out sports or throwing out you know, AP class or any of that stuff, great stuff, all of that is. But it all needs to be tempered with this as the highest priority, Jesus more than anything else. You tracking with me today? Okay. The other thing that I would give you as a priority in this, just trying to answer this question, how we not lose our kids to the world. The second thing is this, is that you as the parent, the grandparent, the influencer in their life is you gotta preach the word with your life. You know, for, for decades now, um, we've outsourced our influence as parents. What I mean is that we, we try to get them in the, the perfect school or the perfect curriculum or the perfect church, or the perfect youth group or the perfect whatever thing that's going to help our kids become who they're supposed to be. One of my greatest passions that I believe is straight from scripture is that as the parent, you are the primary disciple maker of your kids. You're the primary influencer. God gave you influence. It's so great. Like as a leader, I, I study influence and I try to gain influence and I lose influence in people's lives all the time. One of the greatest things about being a parent is that you have influence built in. They actually love you for a while, right? Like they actually want to hear what you think. They actually want to be like you. And what's amazing about that is that you have an opportunity to preach the word of God, the love of God, the grace of God with your life. And, and the reality is, as a leader, as an influencer of people, here's what, what happens, is you will reproduce who you are more than anything else. You might preach a good game, but like the essence of inside of you, who you really are is what's gonna be reproduced. So if inside of us we got maybe anger and jealousy and, and, and anxiety and frustrations, that's guess what, that's what they're gonna pick up. That's what our life is telling them to pick up. It's this, it's this, this constant principle. That's why in Deuteronomy 6, Moses writes, by God's leadership, he says, hear, O Israel, hear uh, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what he says to the people. He says, you, you parents, you leaders, you 
grandparents, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. You should. You say like, hey, tell your kids to love God with all your heart, right? It says you. And these words that I command you today, where should they be? On your heart, he says. That's where it begins. You, you reproduce who you are. If you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, your family is gonna be amazing, right? Like there is this sense of like, that is the focus of your life. These commands should be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently, I love that word diligently, diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise. What's so powerful about that last verse there is there, there's this implication there that, that to be diligent is to be who you are wherever you go. <laughs> when you sit down, when you're, when you're rising, when you're lying, when you're, when you're doing life, be who you are. And in those spaces, you are diligently helping your kids become who God made them to be. They are beginning to be, reflect who you are and pick up who you are and where you've been and what God is doing in you. And like that process is so powerful because it's just like this, you being you and you being in love with God begins to change the culture of your entire family. You being driven by self or driven by fear, driven by anxiety or driven by pains of your past or bitterness towards other people, you, you being driven by a fear of our culture and our world, all of that changes the culture of your family as well. You can, you can not even talk about it around your kids, but it's inside you and it just leaks out of you. You will reproduce who you are. And so understanding that we preach the word with our life, that who we are, the way that we go. And I, you know what I love about that last verse there too is it's not like, hey, teach them diligently to your children and get them in the perfect Sunday school class. The perfect Christian school or the perfect this or the, right? It's like, no, talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. As you are going about this life, our Christian school is great, great. You know, we love our, our, our real life kids. I'm not, I'm not dismissing any of that. What I'm saying is the responsibility, the urgency is right here in our own hearts and in our own lives to say, hey, God, we want these kids to know you and experience you. And I'm gonna start with this person right here being passionate about a relationship with Jesus. That's what's gonna set the culture of your family. The last thing I would say is this, the last party is so important. Our parenting is this, that it's not now and it never will be too late. probably one of the greatest struggles as a parent is how many mistakes we've made. Maybe how difficult our relationship with our kids has been. Maybe they're raised and gone and they're distant and they don't want to talk. Maybe, maybe the divorce has just continued to affect them and you just feel like there's no way to overcome this distance between me and them. And that feeds the anxieties and the fears in your heart of like, maybe I messed it all up and maybe it's, it's all just, it's too late. No, 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 no. See, the people of God have always had a hope and a God who is so passionate about redeeming, restoring, buying back, healing, miraculously overcoming. Like our God loves to take messes and make miracles out of those messes. And for you and I, just to have a heart of hope and faith in the midst of whatever has gone on and is going on is essential to us being a parent that is raising these kids to experience who God is. Have we screwed it up? Yes. Have we done stuff we shouldn't have done? Yes. Have we said stuff? Yes. There's so many regrets in all of that, but hear me say this with all my passion inside me that it is not now nor ever will be too late. That our God is not done. He is not done. He loves to restore. He loves to heal. He loves to make those broken things right again. I don't know how he's going to do it or when he's going to do it or what it's all going to look like, but a people of faith keep that faith inside them. And I would say this, the most proactive, faith-filled thing you can do as a parent is pray. 
Pray for your kids. Pray for your family. Pray for your spouse. Pray that God would show up in a powerful way. This is probably one of the greatest growth points for me as a parent over the last several years. As my kids moved out of the adolescence age into the teenage years, um, my control over them diminished greatly. Can I get an amen on that? And, and now as I got one moving out of the house, making all of her own decisions, I'm like, oh, dear God, is she ready for this, Right? What, what that just drives me to is prayer. And man, I'll just say, as my wife has battled cancer these last six months, that's one of the greatest gifts of this cancer is the prayer life that God has built into me. Not only praying for her and her healing and her strength and her ability to navigate all these difficulties, but praying for my girls and praying for them to experience Jesus and all of this and praying that God would lead them. And we pray all the time for relationships for them, the, the right friends, the right boys. Like, get the, bring the good ones in and get the really bad ones out, God. We pray them out all the time. We do. We're like, get them out of here, God. And he does. They break so many hearts. It's awesome. I love it. Like, <laughs> break them all. Like, <laughs> sorry. I don't think we're recording, are we? Okay. <laughs> oh, man, it, it is just so powerful what happens when you pray. This is what keeps you in a place of faith, this prayer. This is what keeps you believing it's not too late, this prayer. This is what keeps your heart engaged in a place of hope is prayer. God, you're working. I don't see you working, but I know you're working. You're protecting. You're providing. You're opening doors. I pray for favor over my girls all the time, that God's favor would be on them, that he would open doors miraculously that make no human sense whatsoever, that it is evident that the hand of God is on those young women's lives. Like that, that is the kind of praying that we need to be praying, right? That God would be ahead of them and behind them and surrounding them and that his grace Grace would be on them. Like, like this is the kind of opportunity you have. When you're filled with faith, man, you can move mountains, Jesus said. Like, think of that. Like, you can actually say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. That's what Jesus said. And how, how small we get when we're filled with fear and anxiety. Oh, God, what's going to happen to them, and how is this going to and we're, we're just locked in our own strategies and our own fears and our own minds and we have no power. But in a place of hope and faith, man, we pray. I'd encourage you to be, learn to be a person of prayer. Especially as your kids get older. It's like when they're young, we have mops, you know, like mothers of preschoolers and everybody gets together and commiserates about trying not to throw their kids out the window or whatever it is, you know, like they talk too much and I need to talk to a real human being, like, right? Like, like there's that. But then like, as they get older, we're like, man, we need some like prayer meetings for parents of teenagers, right? Like, like we need some serious prayer around this, this whole kind of time in life. And so I just go, man, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for you and I to keep that heart filled with faith. A couple of practical things. You are at your best as a parent when you are experiencing the love that God has for you. If you would be passionate about your relationship with God and experiencing the love that he has for you, you will parent from a place of freedom. If you disconnect from your relationship with God, all you have is anxiety and fear. So it starts again with you and your heart. And I would say on, on top of that, it's not just like, being close to God, but allowing God's love to cover you. Like that he loves you and grace to you and forgives you and, and is pouring out constantly on you as his unmerited favor. Like nothing that you deserve, all your mistakes and all your screw-ups, God still loves you. And you need to let that hit you. So those who receive grace are able to give grace. You have nothing to give if you're not receiving from God in heaven. And guess what? Your kids need a lot of grace. It's not found in yourself. It's found in God. And I'll say lastly, from that place, just live like God lives in pursuit of your kids. He's always pursuing. He's always coming after. He's always doing whatever he has to do to help you experience his love. There'll be times when they feel distant. There'll be times when you need to give them some space. There'll be times when you need to go pick them up in the middle of the night. There will be times, whatever, but you just live constantly in pursuit of a relationship with your kids. And that will measure your steps. That'll help you to go, oh, they need to be serving with me. Man, so many kids serving with their parents yesterday. So cool, right? 
Like seeing, like I saw four and five-year-olds serving with their parents, picking up trash and going and getting shoes for other kids. Like, whoa, like that, like that is amazing to see that kind of thing happen. Serving together, prioritizing people together. Man, those kinds of parents living in pursuit of your kids, you're just creating opportunities for them to experience what God's doing in you and, and what you want to see him do in them. All right. Grayson, we got a few questions that came in. I want to try to uh, give a few minutes for this so that we can wrap up, all right? Do you guys appreciate Grayson? Okay. Do. Yes. Yeah, first question that came in the service is, what is the biblical approach to nature versus nurture? Uh, biblical approach. You had to put that in there, right? Like, Hey, that, <laughs> I just read it verbatim. Yeah, yeah. no, I know you did. Oh, I don't know. I think would be my short answer to that, to that question. Um, I think the depends on how you're asking that question. So what is what is nature? What is like God given? Is your your created design like who you are made to be, uh, your gender, your identity, all those things God declares and gives to us. Now, he does redeem and he does heal and he does kind of reconcile all those things that have been broken if they have been broken in our lives, but um, your nature, the essence of who you are, God declares and gives and sets like that, like your gifts, your abilities, all that stuff. But so much of life is about growing and maturing and, and being like the scripture speaks so much of this process called sanctification of becoming a, a man or a woman that God designed you to be. It's a process of transformation. And what I love about that is there's this idea of nurturing there, right? Of becoming somebody that you're not yet. And so um, I'd say for most of the nature side of that tension, which I can't even believe I'm speaking to this because I'm not any kind of expert at all. But when it comes to, when I think about that side of that conversation, I think about our identity and Christ, unchanging, who he made you to be, who he's called you to be, what he declares over your life. And on the nurture side of it, it's all about our growth, our maturity, our sanctification, a process of becoming who God made you to be. Do you add anything to that? Uh, yeah, I was just thinking about the other other side of the nature, Because you had more too. time to think about it than I me. I had so. a couple minutes, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about there's also a sin nature, yes. too, that comes with it. Yes. And I think a lot of the tension comes between who God created me to be and who the sin nature is trying to dictate that I will be. Yeah. That's where we get into a lot of the weeds is I'm trying to call. I'm not a parent, so let me say that first. But the people I disciple that I'm walking with, I'm always trying to call them toward who God made them to be not who they think they be, they should be, not who their sin nature is trying to tell yep. them to. So um, I think that tension and the nurture part is so important because that's us proactively reaching out mm -hmm. and calling our, our kids or the people, we're, in my case, people I'm discipling toward God's created design. Yeah. So I think that's a good distinction because sin nature, um, we'll joke sometimes, you know, like the first word kids say sometimes is no or mine, right? You're like clearly born a sinner, right? Like, you know, like that nature is inside of all of us, but we do have the same potential to become who God made us to be, no matter how dark our sin nature is, right? There is that that opportunity to be free from that. And I think that's why it's important that Jesus died, right? Like he broke the power of sin and death over our lives so that nature doesn't have to dominate us. Paul writes that you are now no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. And that that is why Jesus has got to be our highest priority in, in, in helping kids grow and become who God made them to be because that's not in anybody. That is only by the power of Jesus that somebody can have the sin nature broke over their life. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. Nature, nurture. Ooh. Now, another fun question um, that I don't know if you have a lot of overlap with, but how do you navigate dealing with an adult child addicted to drugs? Yeah, I... I, I I think I come back to that last comment most of this living in pursuit of our kids, you know. Um, there's so much that you can't do and can't control in that circumstance and situation. I, I do try to help, we try to help a lot of people with a lot of addiction issues around here all the time. And I think that there's always the responsibility of the addict to desire to become whole and healed and free. Then you can't carry that desire. You have it inside of, but you can't do that for them no matter if they're your kid or not your kid, you know? And so I think we talked about a little bit last week, there's God's part and there's my part and there's their part. 
Like you can't do their part and you can't do God's part. You got to do your part really, really, really well. And so to live in pursuit of them in a way that's measured, right? Like so boundaries are really needed in that specific circumstance to where you're not um, perpetuating addiction in their life and, and kind of encouraging it accidentally. Like that idea of like when helping hurts, you know, it actually is hurting them more the way you're trying to help them or love them in this time. And so um, having a lot of wisdom around what your part is and then pray like crazy that God would do his part and watch for every moment when they do their part. I love Luke uh, 15, right? When the prodigal son finally returns home, the dad sees him at a distance. And he runs to him. He doesn't sit back on the porch like waiting for his son to get his act together and finally come home groveling, right? Like there is this like, oh, he's coming back. Like there's something that's changed. I'm going to go get him right where he's at. And so when I think about that picture, I think like in that attic situation, I mean, it's just um, looking for that hint. When he's coming over the hill, she's coming over the hill, you're like, oh. They're coming, like go, like run in those moments. And I think the challenge as a parent in that moment would be how many times have you been heartbroken? How many times has it not gone the way you thought it would go? Um, and what I love about our God is he just continues. He just is relentless in his pursuit of us. And his love is unconditional and unending in, in, in his desire for us to be in relationship with him. And so lots to nuance in that whole situation, but that would be my best stab, stab at that. Yeah, I love it. Do we have time for one yeah, more? Yeah, let's do it. Um, this, this one says, there's a lot of trauma in my family and my siblings are estranged. How do you attempt to bring your family together and discuss salvation with them without causing discord? Yeah, I think I would probably start just one person at a time. I mean, I know that's our, our tagline around here is that that's how we reach the world. But I think in family situations like that, it could be tempting maybe to try to like pull the whole crew together and get everything figured out all at once, which um, it probably needs to happen one heart change at a time and one relationship at a time. And if God can redeem the whole entire situation, which I know he can, but uh, I would really be just like wise in that, I guess, that you're not trying to force that entire situation to be reconciled in one big meeting or an intervention or a moment, you know, and I would just build relationship, like start with the one that you have the most favor with the sibling or the, um, whatever that you have the most opportunity to, to get to know, to reconcile with, to speak into and build relationship with them. And then I would start with the next one, you know, and not give up that relationship, but just kind of start working your way back into that, that place. And if God gives you an opportunity for the entire family to get together and have those kind of special moments, that would be amazing. Um, but I wouldn't start with that right away. I would work your way relationally into that and allow God to do that miraculous part one, one bit, one person at a time. Do you have anything else to that? No, I was just thinking of a story, though, of a family at the church that used to be here, and that was really their MO. One of them came to know Jesus, wanted to fight for that restoration, started with one sibling, and over time, more and more of them started showing up here and getting baptized. And then they had a prayer list. It was kind of like their hit list for the family, right? Like, <laughs> we're praying for this member now. And then sure enough, you know, a year later, they're in the tank. And it's amazing God's faithfulness over time when we're faithful in prayer. And like you said, the one person at a time, it really worked for this family. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Can you guys thank Grayson for his help up here today? Well, I'd love to pray with you. Would you uh, stand to your feet with me today? And uh, I'd like to just ask you just for a moment, just as you're standing, just to close your eyes and um, just kind of put your heart in a place of humility right now before God. And I know that he's speaking to each of you so personally. Some of you, as you're hearing the good news that Jesus came and he died for you to save you from your sin, your heart is just stricken with a sense of urgency to get right with God, to repent of your sin, to run to him, to be free from sin. And what's so good about our God is he just loves you right where you are. And he wants to save you. He wants to heal you. He wants to transform you. He's here. You just turn to him in repentance. Confess with your mouth. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he really can save you. You be baptized. Walk in obedience to Jesus, man. He loves to save. Others of you are discouraged about 
how parenting has gone. And you need these words. It's not too late just to, just to fill you with faith today. You can just ask God for that right now. He never shames somebody for asking for more faith. God, help me to believe that. It's not too late. God that restores and heals and brings back and makes right God. We believe. Make us a people of prayer, God. Others of you, the fears and the anxieties of the world around us and how your kids are going to turn out have just crushed you. And you're hearing today just a, a need to personally be closer to Jesus. And he's just calling you back to himself. Not that you got far off, but you just you just would acknowledge, God, I need you. I need to love you with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind, God, every bit of me, God. Maybe you're a young person in the room. You hear us talking about you. that you would know that we see in you a future and a purpose that's so much greater than even you could fathom right now at this point in your life. That the God of the universe has ordered your steps and has purpose for you to become someone who actually sees lives changed and eternity shaped in this world healed. That that not going to sit idly by as this world just tries to overwhelm you, but you are going to be someone who actually sees this world change through you by the power of God. We believe that and we call that out in your life today. God has gifted you and anointed you to see this generation raised up to become who he made you to be. As a church, we're just filled, God, with faith today this next generation is yours. They're not lost. This world can't have them. This is not um, a hopeless situation, God, that you are raising up out of the ashes and the brokenness of our culture, God. You are raising up a generation that has been called by name and is anointed to become a world-changing force of your love and your grace and your mercy, God. You have you have future pastors in our homes and future leaders in our homes, God. You have people that are anointed to serve in powerful ways, God. You have people in our homes, God, that you have entrusted to us, God, that you have so much in mind for, Lord. Thank you. We stand together in faith today, believing over the next generation, God. And we thank you, God, for your grace for each of us, Lord, that as we do mess up, as we fail as parents, God, your grace is sufficient for us, God. Just thank you, Jesus. Thank you for today, God. Thank you for the hearts that you're leading to yourself today, God. We love you. We worship you.